Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Mike Puckett in Boone, North Carolina, about transitioning from ministry to pioneering movements. My introduction to multiplication movement started with um, subtraction. Uh, we really, uh, I've, I've been in a collegiate ministry setting um, in uh, one form or another for the better part of a decade. It's been what I've done as vocational ministry since I came out of college. And uh, I wasn't aware of any ministry models or any methodologies or anything like that. Um, I just watched the people around me and tried to do the best I could with what I had. Uh, wanted to learn along the way, uh, read a lot of books, things like that. But uh, as the years wound on, I came into the current ministry I, I serve in in North Carolina. It's um, a Baptist campus ministry that is transitioning into a new phase of life. And when I came in to take over as the director here uh, about four years ago, it was a pretty healthy, thriving organization. It was a club on campus. It worked with local churches in the area and uh, was fairly a fairly traditional kind of setting that had a little bit of a heart for missionary activity. But uh, as a year went by and then a second year went by, I started watching what was healthy when I came in become less and less healthy. It began to plateau, uh, started to drop off in attendance. Uh, We had very little vision, no real understanding of why we existed or what we were trying to accomplish. And, And that really was just an extension of my own life and leadership. I, I didn't really know why I was doing what I was doing other than God called me to this and college students are an incredibly strategic group of people to reach mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so I've, I've always known um, since the early days of working with college students for me that that college students have often been the people group that God reaches uh, to begin multiplying movements, to begin reaching the rest of the world. Um, but how that happened, I was completely just oblivious to. Um, and as we started so, watching, what happened to sort of bring you out of that? What what was next? Yeah, as as we started watching, uh, essentially, it felt like we were watching this thing circle the drain. Um, we knew that uh, things move fast in a college setting, and as as a, a year or two goes by, half of your ministry can graduate or leave, uh, and uh, and really quickly, we could see the writing on the wall that our ministry, our students, our leaders would be gone within a year and we would be left with almost nothing because we weren't reaching people with the gospel. Mm-hmm. No one was really coming to Christ. Couldn't remember a time when people had come to Christ. And, uh, and, and we also didn't really know how to share the gospel. And so those things were connected. You can't really expect people to come to know Christ unless mm-hmm. you're sharing the gospel with them. Um, but all we could do really was feel guilty um, about not sharing the gospel yeah. or feel a little bit ashamed that we didn't know better than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started looking anywhere I could. I was reaching out for any resource I could find, any, any method, any book, any you know, person that I could ask some questions of. And I was good at learning, but I wasn't very good at, uh, at, at uh, synthesizing or at uh, executing. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it just felt like we were trying to mash too many different kinds of things into one, um, in, into one package. It's like if you've ever been to a restaurant where they, they serve Thai food and Italian food and classic American fare and fine French food, and you just look at the menu and think, everything has got to be terrible here. 
how could they be good at anything? Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of like what our ministry was, was just kind of jamming different things together. And then um, God had just put us in a position to go to this little one-day training event. Uh, it was hosted by Jeff Sundell um, okay. a couple hours away from us. Yeah. And uh, it didn't really know who he was at all. Had no idea. Didn't know the name. Had no idea what he was connected with. And, uh, and really didn't know. <laughs> we had no idea what we were in for, put it that way. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just a basic kind of level one training teaching us how to become seed sowers, how to share the gospel in a simple way, how to follow up with a story or command from the scriptures. Um, we didn't understand a framework for it. It really wasn't the full four fields strategy that we know uh, and practice today. Um, it felt kind of awkward to do all the stop and practice with a partner thing that we, mm-hmm. we did in the, in the context of that training. Um, but the moment that it, something changed for us was towards the end of that training uh, at the end of the little packet that, that Jeff had put together was oh, half a page on the no place left vision. There was, there was something about that vision attached to a scriptural witness that what would it take for every person to hear the gospel personally? What would it take to saturate a region with the gospel? Now we walked away and uh, the very next thing we did, um, what, what I did as a leader to begin executing on no place left vision in our ministry uh, was to make stickers. I made three inch by three inch little stickers that said no place left. And uh, a semester went by, another semester went by, and nothing had changed. Mm. Uh, go figure. <laughs> mm. And so, it, so what had changed saying, was Puck, our heart. What you're saying, Puck, is that stickers weren't the key. Believe it or not, they weren't the key. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, like to, uh, I like to point back at that and just see how, you know, we can realize um, a little how, like how naive we, felt we were in that moment. Um, but then also how I had my, uh, a coworker with me, she still serves with me. Anna, uh, serves with me today. Her husband now serves with us. Um, so Scott was not with us at this event, but, uh, but Anna was sitting alongside me and she and I had maybe 18 students there at this training and she and I are sitting next to each other. And I look at her as soon as I see that, uh, the no place left blurb in this training material. And I said, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the, the neat thing was it was vision, not a method. It mm. was this end goal of, of seeing a place and a people group saturated with the gospel, and that changed everything. And so once we finally got through that, the silliness of making stickers and thinking that's how you do it, you know, we're falling into the, the, our old patterns that got us where we were in the first place. Mm. Um, but uh, when we began to ask this dangerous question, um, what would it take to see no place left? And then the dangerous follow up to that. Um, what is keeping us from mm-hmm. being able to accomplish the no place left vision? What are we doing currently that's going to keep us from making strides towards no place left? That is when we, we started really feeling the pinch of students graduating, others just not really showing up as much anymore, going to more interesting clubs on campus we were seeing less and less students come in week by week. And ultimately I just, we had no vision for the, the model and method that we were using. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't us. We were, we were working someone else's system. And so instead we, we just started asking that question, what would it take? We began to discover more and more uh, methods, tools that, that fit inside the, the, the pursuit of no place left. 
Um, and, and eventually we came across uh, the four fields as a, as a strategy, as a way to connect vision to strategy and then strategy to tactics. And, uh, and, and man, that was, that was the next major hinging point for us. Okay. So for some people, actually, just the hands-on skills gets them started. That's and, right. And, and then that fruit that comes from that, um, then well, let's pour some bigger picture stuff. But you, you sort of jumped the skills, as helpful as they might be. And what, what turned the corner for you was that four fields um, vision or, or strategy of implementing no place left. I've been, I've been uh, affirmed by some friends and mentors in my life who know me pretty well uh, to say that I, I tend to be good at the 30,000 foot view, um, but I struggle at the on the ground tactics level. Mm-hmm. And so this is a good example of where I was uh, living in my strength areas with the vision of no place left and, and beginning to understand what the implications of that were, you know, what that, what does that mean? in terms of the scope of our mission and ministry, but, uh, in trying to figure out how to get it started, boy, it was, it was, um, it it was uncomfortable at times. We ran a lot of people off, um, whittled a ministry that had started as a healthy 120 when we, when we showed up down to, uh, what turned out to be 12 people Mm. after, uh, about a year of transition. Um, but the people who stuck with us were the ones who were hungry enough to see God do something, something good, something new, something big. They were hungry enough to see that, that they would persist through murky waters, you know, through vision with no real implementation. And they were walking through the dark with us. So in that year, it's sort of like a shift in, in the way you see the world and what the vision is. But are you also doing anything like practical training and sharing the gospel? Is that going on? Absolutely. That, that had to come or this would have never taken off, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we, we recognize, well, we don't actually know what to do. And uh, I, I, think I'm, I think I saw it in, in um, uh, one, of, one of your books, uh, Steve, that, that we've got to know what to do on Monday. You know, mm-hmm. we can talk about it on Sunday, but we've got to know where to start, what to do when Monday comes around. Um, and even as a leader, I didn't have a lot of answer to that very question. And so, uh, and in fact, that's where, um, uh, Troy Cooper comes in for me. You know, he, we just sort of in, in God's, uh, in, in God's, God's work, he, he intersected us between, um, this moment of finding vision, but having no idea what to do with it. Um, saw that we were beginning to flirt with four fields strategy, um, and asked us, you know, what we were up to, wanted to know. And then he just began to serve us. Um, he would set up calls with me on a, on a somewhat regular basis. And we would, um, we would talk and discuss it. And uh, I, I knew he just wants to see me succeed. You know, here's this guy that I have no real relational connection with um, before that. He wants to see us succeed. And he began training me with, the, you know, he used a, a 411 uh, through, through Skype. And we, yeah. uh, this is my first awkward uh, experience with training and practicing, especially through a, a mediated screen like that. Um, but it gave us the tools to know who to share with, um, what to say, when to do it. Um, and then, and then why we do it in the first place, knowing what our identity is. And so he helped give us some tools, uh, to get us started. And that, that just began, um, this sort of chain of, well, we're looking to practitioners, 
not just the books. We're looking to people who are putting this into practice, looking for simple tools. And what we discovered was the vision is really helpful for some people. For me, it was critical to see the end vision. Man, this is something worth dying for. Um, and because it's worth dying for, it's also worth living for. Um, but most of the people we come into contact with these days, whether they're students or they're local churches in the area, uh, a lot of people just need something to help them get started. They may be overwhelmed by some, some exciting and God-sized big vision uh, for reaching you know, some, some country, reaching some people group, reaching some you know, segment of the world. But uh, what they need to know is, well, how do I start a conversation with someone yeah. Uh, and how do I transition it to the gospel? What do I do if someone actually wants to follow Jesus? What do I do next? Mm. Uh, and so helping people know how to get started and then take someone from one yes to the next. We're never trying to, trying to convince somebody of something that they don't want to discuss further. We never, you know, we're never really trying to make somebody into something they're not. We're just now trying to find people who are interested, whether they're already believers. We want to train them and equip them to begin making disciples, or they're not yet believers, and they're interested in hearing more about the gospel, following Jesus, and then mm. making disciples, and so on and so forth. So in your transition, the key things were a sense of something's not working. It can't go on like this. That's right. And, and, and then um, that uh, really God-engineered encounter with training with Jeff but it wasn't so much the training as the end, the no place left vision. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got a whole year or so of awkwardly trying to implement and seeing the ministry shrink, but, but grabbing the early adopters who, who want to give themselves to this. And then God brings along um, Troy Cooper and now there's a, there's someone, there's a coach walking with you as you work out what to do Monday morning. That's exactly right. Okay. And once you got through that, I'm going to assume you got through that awkward time <laughs> and, and began to see some early breakthroughs, what did that look like? Yeah, we um, had been lamenting uh, the fact that we had seen no one come to Christ in years in our ministry and that it was rare to hear stories of someone sharing the gospel with anyone. Um, and it, we may in the course of a year hear three or four or five, uh, gospel conversation stories, um, even in our healthiest days. Mm -hmm. Um, what we started recognizing was, well, we can't, we can't make someone, uh, receive Christ. We can't make someone decide to follow Jesus. We can't make someone, saved or decide to be baptized or anything like that. But what we can control is sharing the gospel. That's something we can control and we celebrate the fruit of that. Um, And so we started training people to share the gospel because we realized no one really knows how to do that. No one knows where to start. And so as we started giving simple tools to our students, because at this point we're still seeing ourselves as a club, you know, a Christian ministry, parachurch organization. And that's, that's sort of where it ends. Um, but we're beginning to grow in our vision. We don't really care how many students we have at this point, because it's not about attendance anymore. That used to be our supreme metric. You know, how are we doing? Well, how many do you have? And, uh, and, and now the question was, well, how many do we have doing what? 
uh, you know, and, and so let's, let's start thinking about, well, what is it that we're doing on a daily basis? So we, we started sharing the gospel, uh, taking students with us. So we as leaders and staff would begin to take students with us to share the gospel after we had trained them. And we started uh, in the uh, started leveraging the MAL process, the M-A-W-L, model, assist, watch, and leave or launch. Um, hey, come with me and watch me do it. I'll model it for you. Hey, why don't you help me this time? And I'll do a little bit. You do a little bit. And that's the assist. Um, hey, why don't I go with you? You've been doing this a while. I'll watch you do the whole thing and we'll see how it goes. And I'll, I'll, I've got your back if you need me. And then you're completely ready to go. You don't need me. I'm dragging you down. I want you to go take someone new with you uh, and launch you off with the skill. And so we just started really hammering on evangelism and sharing the gospel with people, mm. realizing well, no one's really doing that anyway. campus. That's right. And yeah, we're some people also living in um, student accommodation as well. That's right. So we're sharing the gospel um, at the beginning of the school year in August for us. It's beautiful weather here in uh, the North Carolina mountains. Um, it is uh, it, everyone's outside all the time because it gets bitter cold here in the wintertime. So people soak it in as much as possible. So we're out going two by two in a Luke 10, what we call Luke 10 house of peace search sort of fashion. We're offering to uh, pray for them. Uh, and we're offering to share the gospel with, with people we come into contact with. And uh, it's that simple. Um, and it's a, a pretty natural process in, in most places we've done it, but especially on the college campus and especially during the first week of school. So we'll be out on campus um, in the public areas, out you know, in the green spaces where students hang out. We'll go into um, apartment complexes where students live. We'll, we'll send students into dorm buildings where they live uh, to begin engaging their neighbors with the gospel. Um, really anywhere there are lost people that we can effectively attempt to share the gospel with them, offer prayer to them. That's where we want to be and that's what we want to do. But it started slowly. And, and what really I think was a helpful thing for us was we began to shift. What were we celebrating? I don't know. We didn't really have anything to celebrate before. It was just, did we feel like we had enough people there at our services in the old days? And then now what we're starting to celebrate at this stage in the game, you know, this was a year and a half ago or so at this point, year and a half ago, we began celebrating when someone would share the gospel. Mm. We would just sh- celebrate the fact that they shared the gospel. Um, we would make a really, really big deal out mm. of it when someone shared the gospel for the first time in their life. Mm. Because every single student who was a part of our ministry, except for a very, very small minority, had never shared the gospel in their lives before. So when they would get to share for the first time, we would come back together during our meetings and we would celebrate what's been going on. What have we seen Jesus doing in the harvest this week? And as we, as we go through that process, people are celebrating either for themselves or for their partner. Hey, I was with so-and-so this week and she shared the gospel for the first time ever. And mm-hmm. we would lose our minds and go really, you know, get really excited and just make a big deal out of it and show them that that is the win. That's the thing that is worth celebrating. And, uh, you know, we'd hear how it went, but we wouldn't worry too much about it if it didn't feel like it went anywhere. It's that, no, you were faithful to Jesus. You were with him in his mission. He said he's always with us. Mm-hmm. Well, he was with you in that right there. And they, you know, we've had students who have been able to walk away from their first 
from their first moment sharing the gospel where I had a guy with me as a wingman. I set him up for an assist, you know, so I had been showing him how to do it. Mm. We started a conversation. I started it. And then I transitioned it to him. I had asked the guy that we were engaging, would you like to hear the gospel? Essentially, you know, I asked him mm. if we could share with him. He mm. said, sure. And I asked my uh, freshman student who was beside me, well, hey, why don't you give it a shot this time? He's seen it enough times that he was ready to go. And so he was nervous. He was shaky and he did it. Um, he did a good job. He got all the way through it. You know, it wasn't noticeable that he was that shaky. Uh, the guy wasn't very interested that he shared with. Well, that didn't matter. When we walked away from that experience, the student with me looked at me and said, he, he's just quiet for a minute as we walk. And he kind of looks down, shakes his head a little bit. And then he looks up at me and he says, so that's what it's like to obey Jesus. Yeah. That was one of like the banner moments of my life in ministry was seeing students begin to understand what obeying Jesus really is. And we started with the Great Commission. We started with making disciples. And so as we started with giving them simple tools, teaching them how to share their faith, um, celebrating the heck out of it as they do it um, with their, uh, you know, as they're taking someone with them and they're going two by two, we began to see a shift in our culture there's just this expectation that everyone shares. If you're a part of our ministry, if you're a part of what we're doing, you share the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a peer pressure thing in a negative sense that, hey, have you done it yet? But it's, it's just a really positive environment where this is just who we are. We don't do it because this is what our ministry does. We do it because we're convinced that this is who we are in our identity with Christ. Um, and that, that began changing it where we went from being people who celebrate gospel shares to being people who share the gospel, gospel because it's who they are. Um, and, and now they're starting to um, be 18-year-old, 19-year-old church planters and they're uh, right here on their college campus. So we're just going from that field one.